Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. This is episode 46, and today's guests are Catherine Allen and Cherry Healy. Catherine Allen is the CEO of Luristic and she's the exec producer of No Small Talk. And I will explain what No Small Talk is in a minute. And the other guest is Cherry Healy, who joins us. She is a TV presenter and documentary maker, and you might recognise her voice on this podcast from the live podcast we did on Waterstones a few months back. So No Small Talk is a new kind of virtual reality talk show commissioned by the BBC for millennial women. It was co-produced by two leading independent VR companies, Luristic and VR City, and produced by Dorothea Gibbs and directed by Darren Emerson, designed for viewing on Google Cardboard and Samsung Gear VR. The first episode is launched now and I'm in it alongside Cherry Healy, so I thought it'd be really interesting to get the three of us together and talk about the show um, and what it's about. Essentially, it's a space to explore and discuss the big ideas that underpin our daily lives and the changing world around us. No Small Talk was also produced with the clear goal of creating a VR experience for women, and it can be found at bbc.co.uk taster and just search for No Small Talk. In this episode, we talk about technology, virtual reality, being the CEO of your own company, and the art of a good conversation, and whether or not social media has ruined our ability to talk to each other properly. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you enjoy No Small Talk. Thanks for listening. Here it is. I'm at the VR City offices in East London with Catherine Allen, who is the CEO and co-founder of Lyristic and also the exec producer on No Small Talk, which we'll get onto in a minute. And alongside me is my friend and fellow <laughs> No Small Talker, Cherry Healy. Hello. <laughs> I feel like I can introduce you as my friend now because we've spent so much time together. There's, there's literally nothing we don't know about each other now. <laughs> yeah. We every time we go to anything, it's like you again. Oh, you're I'm here. secretly Hello. very happy about that. <laughs> so right to kick off with Catherine, um, you founded your own company. That's cool, and also it's to do with VR, which is really really cool. So two pronged attack. When did you start this company, and also what the hell is VR? Okay, sure. Um, well, when I actually, it's my second company that I started. I did used to run a little production company making like TV programs and factual content back when I just graduated from university. And that I was all so new to stuff. And I was going in as like being an exec producer when I was 21. It was ridiculous. And I was like making documentaries in America and interviewing these like really esteemed economists about the financial crash. But really, the reason why I got into it was just because I didn't have. I was worried about getting a job, to be honest. I thought it was easier to start, you know, back in the recession, this was 2010. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a lot easier to start a company than it was to find a job somewhere. And there was so much, like, doom and gloom about getting into telly. I just thought, well, I'll just start a company. And it's a bit more flexible. It's probably more um, a sort of sustainable income than, than getting a job as a runner in TV. Um, and that means that I've kind of always been creating you know kind of new media content that i suppose because i've had control over what i make i can be a bit more innovative with it maybe mm-hmm. um and get, I, I tend to get excited about new technology and think ah it's a new creative tool yeah. so um starting a luristic which is only literally this year and this oh, really is, yeah, yeah yeah this is our first project no small talk is and <laughs> yeah it's it's our first uh, commission first for bbc and it's been um I mean, it's been, it's been incredible because we really do feel like we're pushing the boundaries in VR storytelling. 
in that it's something that's deceptively simple, you know, where the people, aka you two, Cherry and Emma, are the real stars of the show, as opposed to it being about, hey, let's get some 360 cameras on drones and fly over a canyon or a waterfall. It's it's not really about, like, spectacle and fireworks and craziness. Whoa! It's about, like, conversation and people. Mm. It's like bringing it back, right back to being human. Being. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's about humans. So and VR is vi- virtual reality. Virtual reality. And um, I actually didn't know that much about it until like la- like I knew what it was, but I didn't really, I didn't really get that you it was going to be. Can't you? Yeah, but I feel could you? Would you say it's mainstream now? No, not yet. Not no. not yet. No, right. no. So it's... we're we're in. Me and Cherry have got in on this project, and we're feeling pretty like we're pretty. I've never it. felt cooler. <laughs> wow. When I was twelve and bought Kylie Minogue clear tape. <laughs> This is this is that moment when uh, we, we we made it. Emma. We're in the <laughs> VR industry, it. everyone. It's a big big moment. The VR industry is what, Catherine? How many people? Five? No. <laughs> there's what, there's a really cool scene emerging in in the UK actually. That's which is ground based, and it's it's very. I mean, it's kind of because it's not sort of plugged into the sort of tech Silicon Valley VR scene. I think it's a bit sort of. It's a bit sideways. It's mm. kind of interesting. It's sort of the things that we're coming up with in this emerging scene. There's not very many of us, but we're coming up with some stuff that, yeah, it's quite different. Yeah. With um, being the CEO of a company, and you know that, that means you, you know, you've got staff and you've got your well, you do now. You've you've expanded, and um, you know what what are the challenges alongside that, or have you just been? your own boss for so long now that actually it comes very naturally to you oh gosh there's always challenges always like I mean there's the challenge of just knowing that you're going to carry on running and that x amount of people are paying their rent because of the activity that you as company are doing there's also the challenges of being a a director as in the sense of actual legal responsibilities and I think that um if I was to go back and give my younger self some advice you know when I was 21 and I started my first company I'd say remember like take those that serious responsibility of being a company director with like like embrace it you know because it's really it's 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 gift like being company director it's really you, you you've got a lot of opportunity you've got a lot of like make the most of it but also things like bookkeeping and taxes and contracts it's quite learn to love it because you don't really have much choice what strikes me about (laughs) you as well is is not only are you incredibly clever when it comes to like you know your shit when it comes to obviously the vr industry but also running your own business but you made us feel incredibly comfortable on the day like we we did you know well, even though it's some crazy new technology it's like what on earth is this it is potentially quite intimidating because it's so new and it's very much out of our comfort zone but at the end you made it just feel like we were just there to chat and you helped Aww. I also liked that you you were very clear about what you wanted from that conversation it wasn't just like you guys just sit and chat you were very clear about the art of conversation and how not to fall into pitfalls or chase our tails I'm just using puns now and putting two <laughs> eggs in a basket and other things like that. Cake and eating. Yes, no, all the cakes in, in your hand and baskets. Um, 
I felt you were very clear but very friendly. Oh. You yeah. have an unusual set of skills. Yeah, because actually when you think of like a CEO, and this is something that I guess goes back and we're socialised to think that if you're running your own business and you're successful and you're like pitching things to the BBC and <laughs> you know, you, you have to be like mean. Yeah. I don't. Mean- you're the opposite. Meanness has never got me anywhere. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, I don't really know how I would go about using meanness to get anywhere. But I think maybe that's come from. I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, but like girls are conditioned when they grow up to get things out of being nice and pleasant. Mm. So when you get into a position of power, like literally, that's all I know. Maybe it's interesting. That, I did a project yeah. with Chimamanda the other day. <gasps> I know. No, no, no. I mean, blowing my mind. I mean, you said that the, so casually. She was saying somebody. It was, it was it was a woman's hour interview, and they were saying, "What's the one message that you would give to women now?" And she said, "It was along those lines." And she said, "It would be to not have to be liked, to not worry about mm. likability." Because girls do have that. They are told that they should be nice, ladylike. Yeah pleasant not too shouty and if you're a ceo how can you be a ceo because aren't you supposed to be shouty and pushy and a bully mm-hmm. i know what you mean emma about you know i was surprised to find out it's so awful but when you said you were ceo i had that moment of here's this like really wonderful relatable woman who isn't cross mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or i suppose not cross the word is intimidating i, f- mm. I find you very unintimidating for someone oh. who does something so so cool and yeah, new so and cool. exciting and but then I can also imagine for example you were saying that recently you went to get a VR headset and the oh, guy yeah. the person there were basically like oh look at this woman getting a tech gadget yeah. and you you know you know your tech but also wearing a lovely pink jumper <laughs> and it's like yes those things can both be happening at the same time I just yeah. wish um, I wish that he knew I wish that that person who was dealing with you when you were getting that VR headset I wish we could go and find him and just say this woman is a CEO of yeah. a VR company because I can also think that you you know I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of you either well I was just like um, I find that sort of stuff funny as anthropology I enjoy oh just not a just just saying yeah okay yeah sure okay tell me about the features of this headset mm. you know I was buying you two headsets and I wanted to you know pick the best one so I was asking questions but I knew the questions I wanted to ask I knew what I wanted to get out of it you know I was very sort of clear and targeted with it but I could sense when I was buying that headset from that department store that he assumed I knew nothing about it. Maybe I was buying a Christmas present for my boyfriend or something, is what he probably thought I was doing. And the kinds of pitch that he gave for the headset is as if I'd never come across a mobile phone before. It fits in your handbag. (laughs) You know, it was like the whole thick pen for women again kind of thing. It was just... But sometimes, occasionally... I choose to challenge it and sometimes I find it interesting as just a bit of research to just say yeah okay okay take it store it and think about it because that can be just as useful sometimes yes you know? that's very interesting yeah so just this is you know this is how the world is right now yeah yeah and it still is isn't it and I mean do you see this as a mum the fact that if you want to buy something for your daughter um you know is it like the science kit is in pink and that's it's definitely of... getting better and is it it Great. is it is getting better but it's i mean it's, it's getting better from horrendous so um 
Yes, essentially girls have kittens and flowers and makeup and boys have the universe, engineering and science, mm. the world. They have discovery and, and girls have domestic. And it's very, it is very annoying. And I don't see that in my daughter and my son's mm. choice of toys, as in their personal choice of toys. Do you think that they'll both grow up with the same amount of tech? Yes, absolutely. And I'm very, uh, partly because I'm very annoyingly conscious of it. <laughs> like my, my son has a pink Hoover. <laughs> and what is Coco? Coco has a responsive Furby. That's her big thing. And she, you know, you can program it. It's wow. very cool. Love that. So. It's a very kind of annoying, yeah. kind of modern mum consciousness. Yeah. No, but it's good. It's good to be conscious. And again, with things like their pajamas, like Coco has dinosaur pajamas. It's science. It's history. And and if Bear wants kitten pajamas, he can bloody have kitten pajamas. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah. And he might then have skeleton pajamas. But you know, you'll notice with yeah. girls, it's all princess. And have you braided your hair nicely? And it's it's very dull. Yeah. Something a statistic that really stood out to me recently was that women in the US spend more money over their lifetimes on average than on beauty and hair products than they do on their educations. Mm. It's really scary and sad. But if you're told that all your worth and value is in how nice your hair is and how well you're dressed and how sleek and tight your body is, of course you're going to spend all your money on that. Yeah. Because that's yeah. your survival. You know, we are yeah, that's beings how you get of survival. Stuff. That's yeah. how you get stuff. I also know some girls who, who play dumb, who pretend they can't open the window properly or carry their bags because they know that their partner likes them to be a bit feeble. I mean, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah. Well, that comes down as well to, like, I guess, the making money thing because, you know, money is good, a good thing, I think. Well, it makes yes. me feel yeah. empowered, it makes me feel Smart happy. Success. It's and very all... unladylike, Emma. Especially so when you're freelance. Right? What other, like, yeah. it's not like we get appraisals or anything. How exactly. else do you judge how well you're doing? Yeah, you've got to look at your bank account and be like, I'm doing okay. Thanks. Yeah, that's yeah. my. And as a CEO, I imagine, I mean, you have to deal with it in such an acute way. I mean, you've got to hire and fire people, you've got to negotiate wages. And are you comfortable with that? Yeah, because you don't actually have to do it in a sort of stereotypical way like you would imagine a CEO has to do. You can deal with Lord things. Sugar. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't fire. do that. Yeah, that's not how business needs to work. You can do it however it feels right to you, you know? And you, I've never had a situation where I felt that I've needed to be like that to achieve my outcome, mm. you know, the sort of apprentice or fired type thing. And so if you want to set up your own business and hire people and grow, you don't have to do it in a way that fits the stereotype of the CEO. Do it in a way that reflects your personality. That's such good advice. Oh. <laughs> so um, no small talk. Yeah. So yeah. we've had a really exciting evening. Um, actually, I'm just going to pour myself some more beer while I'm at it. <laughs> but um, no, we're, so we're, we're hidden away in the VR City office and we've just watch the film yeah. on the VR headset for the first yeah. time me and yeah. Cherry which was hilarious and great and just really fun and it's good to be back in the, in the team it's been so exciting to see you see it as well there was so much suspense beforehand yeah. of oh gosh we've made this film where Cherry and Emma are talking to each other and now they're going to see themselves talking to themselves Self yes, in a very meta way. It was really meta. Just yeah. bizarre. But there was so, a lot so of what, So for the <laughs> listeners, in a in an elevator pitch, because yeah. this is your brainchild, um, how did it all happen? And how do you go about getting your own series on the BBC like you just have? Um, well, I was working as a producer in-house at BBC, 
uh, where I made a history VR documentary about um, the Easterising called Voice of a Rebel, or Easterising Voice of a Rebel. And as I was working there, I really, really enjoyed it. It was the first time I'd ever produced anything in VR. And I found that there's probably a lot of potential, actually, in VR as a way to kind of build relationships with the people that you're seeing in front of you. So relationships in the sense of feeling that you're getting to know them, you know, nothing creepy, but just <laughs> feeling that you have that sort of sense of presence with them and that you know them in a way which is much more like real life rather than it being in a rectangle in front of you on a TV or computer screen or whatever. And I sort of, as I was producing Voice of a Rebel, kind of got more and more interested in this. And so when I finished that contract, because I was freelance at the time, um, I pitched this idea to the same commissioner and he was like, let's go, let's do it. Let's just, you know, build a team. Okay. So... For the pitch, because being someone who I, I pitch sometimes business ideas and also like you know the book proposal for example is a pitch what what goes into pitching this sort of thing is it, it kind of pages long or is it well concise? the cool the cool thing about VR right now is that there's no set way of doing things so you kind of make it up as you go along and you can take bits from different industries I usually do like a mashup between sort of TV industry style pitch and a tech industry style pitch um, what is a tech I know what a TV style pitch is as in there's generally a picture and then there's like five between two and five paragraphs going this is the best thing ever <laughs> with a couple of other pictures um, yeah. I mean you know not rocket science um, what is a tech pitch what does that look like Ooh. A tech pitch says, what is the problem? Who are the audience that are facing this problem? And how do we solve that problem? It's essentially, what's the user need? And what's your proposition for solving that user need, addressing it? That's really a tech pitch in a nutshell. Because the audience is a big part of this project, isn't it? Oh, completely. So you, this... Like, with so much research that you did on that. Well, no small talk, yeah. In, in a nutshell, as you asked for. It's a VR talk show that explores the big ideas. We get two inspirational women to talk about the big ideas that affect the lives of its audience. So coming back to the audience, who are they? It's young women. Millennial women, we could say, to use that buzzword. Mm. <laughs> a, woman, a woman that we all know very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like talking so. with your friends. Yeah, It's sitting in on a conversation, a really, really interesting conversation with two people that you feel that you might know mm. i found it interesting on the press release um it did it say podcast generation or something like that it was it was summed up in the way that yeah i think yeah. the millennials do use tech in a way to connect and yeah. not beyond social media which has like, i want to learn about yeah. other people i mean using technology connects as a sort of default if you were to think oh i haven't spoken to so-and-so in a while it'd be really good to catch up with her sitting on your sofa you know maybe finishing off your dinner you think I want to catch up with her what do you do maybe send her a text message send her a Facebook message do you think to pick up the phone no no never no what's interesting about this conversation is that I think I feel closer to Cherry for example Mm. because we've over the the lifespan of our friendship which has only been not that long I just feel like I know you really well and actually that's because we've had really deep conversations on lots of occasions now. The universe has thrown us together <laughs> like a, a co- comet yes. at lightning speed. But I just wondered, you know, do you think, we all think, I think we agree on, is that we need to bring back conversation. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And I do feel 
I do feel that skill leaving me. I feel it like ebbing away. It's a bit like handwriting. Yes. My handwriting. It's a book. Mine is horrendous. It's so embarrassing. My handwriting now is awful. It's just because I'm not. These skills, which are so part of being a sort of citizen, conversation, handwriting. We're not having the opportunity as much. To and I've got to admit, I've got to put my hands up here and, and, you know, I'm like, oh, the art of conversation, like, let's bring back conversation, which I totally am on board with. But I opt out all the time of going to things. And, I, and I'm and i in my cocoon. And and maybe I like not having many conversations now. Sometimes I cancel on people. I, I'm a bad person. Like, I will, if I'm not in the mood, because I'm a massive introvert, and I have to go and talk to lots of people for hours and hours and hours, sometimes I don't want to go. I'm an extrovert and I feel that definitely because it's it's exhausting I feel exhausted by it and also I feel like at home on my sofa I can connect with just as many people it feels like that I feel like I can connect and see what everyone's doing and plan things and research things but it isn't the same it absolutely isn't I find that the more I avoid it the more twitchy I get when I do have a conversation that I want to check my phone and I'm a bit I can't really connect with what that person's saying I can't hang in there I can't just relax into it maybe it's because we're not doing it as regularly that's what maybe their conversation's a bit crap maybe it's just not as interesting as Instagram oh god is that (laughs) it oh no I just think it's it's conversation's like a muscle and the more you do it the more natural it becomes but also I I think it's it's letting go of the fact that it needs to be unbelievably stimulating all the time it's actually I sometimes put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, I get no, I get social anxiety, um, and for an extrovert, sometimes people be, can can be surprised at that. But I think it's, I get nervous that people expect me to be a tap dancing monkey, and if <laughs> I'm not that, in the mood, I feel like that sometimes. Like when I'm singing and dancing online, maybe you and your documentaries. Yes. Uh, please don't expect me to be like that all the time yes and actually people don't people actually I have to remind myself Mm -hmm. all the time just be there because it's nice when people are there and that's all anybody wants you know the reason why we went for a whole day to do the filming we took a whole day to film no small talk when what you see is a 10 minute conversation which may seem a bit excessive to take over a whole coffee shop for a whole day but it's because we wanted you to let go Mm. and to not feel the need to perform and just relax into it because there was a whole day and we would get what we needed at certain points and that relaxation that we got from it carving out space for conversation but not having such pressure yeah I think it really I mean we've come out with something brilliant with a really interesting why did you choose me and Emma? (laughs) <laughs> because um, we wanted something that would we start from our audience and that's actually a very tech way of thinking is where you want to get into the head space of your audience first before you do anything else and in understanding our audience and then brainstorming the issues that were most interesting and like relevant and needed for our audience to be discussing and thinking about we then looked at who does a really really good job at discussing those and addressing those issues and you two came up and so it's we funny you. because we had done a podcast i mean you did your live podcast at waterstones yeah. so we'd had this kind of warm-up chat and then we'd done like three events together and had a real giggle but when we found you two as in we we were we went through it's kind of like a an analytical mathematical process to find you two it's so funny we didn't know you'd already been paired because I thought when I got the email saying um, do you want to be involved and by the way it's with Cherry I thought 
Oh, I, I thought, oh, Cherry, she's recommended no. me. No, no. <laughs> they didn't ask me. <laughs> well, it was because I thought, you know, yeah. we did the podcast together. I thought, or you'd found the podcast and thought, podcast. No, no, no. I sent an it's email so actually to Dorothea, who's the producer on this project, capital letters, spooky, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And then the link to you two together. Well, this was after you'd already but also, really, the, the reason why it's so spooky as well is because I... It was a stab in the dark emailing you to do the Waterstones thing. Yes. We'd never really, like, we'd met, like, but, but we hadn't, hadn't really met properly. No, at all. and it was, it was actually extremely random. So but random. I just said to my publishers, um, they were like, how great, like, it would be brilliant for you to do the, the live podcast on Waterstones. Get someone that you really love who has a book out at the moment, too, and then you can both promote your books on Waterstones. And then I was just like, Cherry Healy. And then that was that. The stars really aligned. And I was saying to Emma earlier, Catherine, that what one of the things I thought was so brilliant about the pairing is that I just don't feel like I need to tap dance for Emma at all. I don't know what it is, whether it's because I've read natural. your book and I so I think when you read someone's book and it's so heartfelt, mm. you already have that even keel with them. And we had that podcast chat, but for some reason I don't feel anxious around you and I don't feel like I need to impress you. In, a, in the most complimentary way, I hope that sounds. Yeah. No, I, I, I said that to me, that'd be the biggest compliment. Do you I think, think imagine being thoroughly really hungover and like just, just being, being fine? Like, yeah. Could we like, watch X Factor yes, together? Exactly. Yes, <laughs> That's okay. my takeaway. Watch X Factor. <laughs> and I might, and like with unwashed hair. <laughs> and it would be fine. And actually, I could just be a bit of shit and not say anything clever or interesting at all. And you might still like me at the end of that. Yeah. It's so That's a lovely thing. That and that, really I think, nice. is part of this conversation, is that, yeah. you know, Instagram. Is so curated, and Twitter is so witty, and Facebook is so pizzazzy. But I think I think that is a big reason why we have conversational social anxiety, because you can't curate it. Well, the other thing is, exactly. is that tech companies like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter they A/B test all the time, which means that they try out different versions of their product with different audience groups to achieve the user behavior that they want. So say for instance that they want people to click on more adverts and they try out different versions of of the same product with different live audience groups to achieve what they want, right? So they have a very like malleable product which they're constantly tweaking to achieve the commercial results that they achieve. But because they have this kind of like it's a very sort of scientific way of achieving a really popular product. It's quite, it's quite competitive to real people. If you think about real people, we're not, we haven't sort of, think about looking at your Twitter feed versus having a conversation. A person that you're talking to, the conversation that you're having, they haven't A-B tested that conversation. They're a human being, they're gonna make mistakes. Some bits are not going to be very interesting. It's not gonna be all singing or dancing, as we were talking about earlier. So. We maybe as people, as entertainment sources, we're up against something that's really, really difficult mm-hmm. to compete with. And you can compare it, I think, to comedians, for example, who who spend their lives curating this hilarious show, singing and dancing in the best jokes. Mm. Like, my best jokes on Twitter, doesn't everyone? But they get some comedians like when they're on talk shows, for example, they they feel that like the pressure should be really funny all the time. You don't have to be. No. You're off duty. Yeah. And I, I, I sometimes think like I'm probably like funnier or more opinionated or more feisty online. Because I'm actually in real life like I just sit in the corner but, of the pub and just talk about really weird shit with my friends. <laughs> Maybe there's a sense that 
we're creating these everybody yes. individuals that we're creating these brands around ourselves which we yes. do with social media yes. so that when we're in public we feel we've kind of got to live up to our social media selves so we're creating this like pressure where we're competing with what the people we're with could be doing which is sitting there on facebook or whatever which which has been so like honed but then we're also kind of competing with our social media selves absolutely and our and our work has is is no longer in the office only yeah it is all around us it is a possible everything's a possible snapchat moment everything is quotable every time you go out there was a piece in the then in one of the supplements this weekend about you know having powerful friends and you're your party friends, the ones who can get you into the party or who will look fabulous around you at the party or you are now people's most lucrative mm-hmm. asset. And that's so awful that... A lucrative fr- Oh, it's dirty, it's dirty. But no wonder there's social anxiety because you go out, you have to look fabulous. You have to, you have to be this really fabulous gang that everyone's going to be jealous of. And, you know, and actually quite often just want to turn mm-hmm. up and... I mean, Have shouldn't a, friends be yeah. people that we relax with? But also, well, your friends that have yes. known you for so long, like, with your oldest friends, I just think, gosh, you've seen some weird sides of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're not on Twitter, but they're real. But um, the, yeah, the right. thing is, is, is that when we're feeling that we're performing, that's when we're not exploring new territory in terms of ideas. I mean, no small talk is about exploring ideas. And to explore ideas, you have to be okay feeling vulnerable. Mm. And to construct ideas, you have to be... Like, think about when you're coming up with ideas. Sometimes it's the ones that feel craziest and most bizarre that are the ones that, like, go down really well in the end, you know? Because I think what we're talking about as well is, like, personal branding, yes, but also, like, ego. Mm. Because I think ego is something that, you know, if someone has three million followers... I've actually seen people who have changed because they've got, like, loads of followers now and, you know, their egos... When you think of someone like Anna Whitehouse, for yes. example, someone who has, you know, like lots of followers, everyone knows who she is now. She's not changed. And I feel like it is your own sort of responsibility to not get too wrapped up in yourself, I think. Every single time you get a notification to not get a little dopamine hit to say, oh, look, someone thinks that's interesting. Do you interesting. think it helps if you're a bit older and you've got like kids and a husband you know, to like slap maybe? and also just people to slap you yeah. and also it's hard to you know the, the, with kids it's such a daily every day that when your kids are like climbing on yeah you. it's such a daily grind because I mean you know for example my my son found my my ironing spray thing and like started spraying the cats and the cats started screaming and like like attacking the sofa and <laughs> real life you know it's real life and it's and it's oh I remember I, there was um someone who was interviewing Emily Blunt and they were saying you know do you ever do you ever feel like you're too famous for stuff and she said well I was walking along and I, my dog did a poo and I picked up my dog's poo and I suddenly thought I shouldn't be doing this and she said I realised then that I start I changed and I need to give myself a slap <laughs> I can imagine that like you're Emily Blunt you know yeah. and you've been in some of the most successful imagine doing some washing up and being like I should not I shouldn't really be this. but you have to then give I remember I, I did a project in America for two years and they put me in the nicest hotels and picked me up in like the fattest cars and nothing was too much they had more money than God and then I came back to England in a project here and it's kind of you know premiere in and make your own way there and I remember feeling a bit put out and I had a talk with myself and I I'm, I slapped myself well I think there's a danger of getting used to things well you get used to things you, and you start like, to expect 
every time you stepped outside, you, you know, there should be an Addison Lee waiting for you. Like, what so happens if like, there isn't one? You're like, well, what, what kind of service is this? And then you have to have a real horrible moment with yourself of, oh, oh dear, I've changed. And but luckily, if you catch it each time and quickly, you can you can and bring if yourself you've got back. Friends who catch it? Yes. Like my sister's horrible to me, but she loves me. So she's important. brutal, and it like as in I Which need is it. Which yes. challenge is so important to good conversation. Yeah. Well, absolutely. So to wrap this up, I wanted to ask that each of you, um, what makes a good conversation? Because I actually learned so much from you when you directed the conversation. Like you, you know scientifically what makes a good conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I would like to ask you, kind of, what makes you feel fulfilled when you've had a good conversation? So I'll give you first. Catherine. What makes a good conversation? Um, openness and being fine being vulnerable so if you're comfortable being vulnerable around the people that you're with and you're more likely to think about outside the box and thinking outside the box coming up with ideas that feel a bit odd maybe or making references that are a bit odd that's where you get interesting fusions between different references and things and different subjects and then you come out with new things and new thoughts so a really good conversation is where either you come out with a new idea or your perspective has changed or something shifted a bit or you just understand someone else's mm-hmm. point of view and I think now more than ever it's important that we pierce our own bubbles that we sit in these sort of media echo chambers that we often get with social media and talk to other people which brings me to my other point which I just mentioned which is about being challenged and being happy with being challenged not feeling awkward about it not feeling offended but wanting to talk through the differences and opinions that you have mm. and through your own stories and your own background, learn about more about the human race, I suppose. Yes, <laughs> yes. Become more knowledgeable people. Definitely. I mean, how can you top that? I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I think that's something that... It's not a conversation I've heard, heard often about being okay with being challenged. I don't think it's a skill that many people would notice as a skill but it is an absolute skill. I mean, haven't we seen with Trump and Obama? I felt like Obama dealt with the challenge to himself and then, you know, handing over. Could he have been more graceful? It was a an exercise in grace like I've never seen. Yeah. yeah it was quite exceptional. Um, for me, a good conversation is when people are being real, so it's similar to what you're... Well, it's the same as what you're saying. Um, I think it's easy sometimes to try and portray ourselves as heroes and even if you do it in a really subtle way I think life is way too short to pretend and it's nice it's lovely and funny it's very funny when people tell you real things I like all the I like the memes I love the Instagram memes they made me laugh so much um it's you know when a conversation hits that kind of point you know oh I sat on the loo for so long this morning um you know looking at my Instagram that my, when I when I when I lifted my butt off the the toilet it made that kind of sticky noise because <laughs> you know you've been there too long and my kids like mom where are I am like I'm busy I'm busy no I'm not I'm on the loo <laughs> looking at memes oh I like it I when I like it when people really strip themselves yeah back. and life is so full of um, learnt behaviour and it's really lovely when someone connects with the actual realness of how they feel and who they are yes. that's when I know that I'm into oh, something juicy thank you so much I'm Thank really you, excited. For I can everyone. wait to see you like next week or oh something. God, I know. Um, I'm moving in. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but the stars will talk. continue aligning till it gets creepy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, um, no small talk is available from 
BBC Taster. BBC Taster. As of Wednesday the... 16th. 16th of November. Um, so it'll probably be... Well, it will be live now when you're listening to this. So I hope you like it. Enjoy! And Hooray. to follow us... So Cherry is at Cherry Healy on Twitter. At Cherry Healy and on Instagram and Facebook. It's very predictable. <laughs> and follow her podcast, Letters to My Fanny. Absolutely. And don't forget to watch... Uh, can I plug something? Yeah. Don't forget to watch Inside the Factory's Christmas special. Yes, me and Greg Wallace looking into mince pies and tinsel. Doesn't get better than that, folks. <laughs> Sounds amazing. And Catherine on um, social media. Uh, yeah, Twitter is at underscore Catherine Allen. But um, things are coming. But yes, thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in every week to my podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, If you have any feedback, tweet me at Emma Gannon. I'd love to hear what you think. And also, if you have two minutes, I'd love you to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. That would be amazing. Thanks again and see you next week.